0: best version of yourself doing something to the best ability and not trying not to be average at it has become well became more and more important so I think that was the driving force around all these things so all of a sudden we find that we're in a position of doing the best we've ever done but then it's all stopped Um, so the way I've managed this is uh, firstly I had to pivot the business to do online events. So we did lots of webinars, um, something called E2E Live. So we pivoted that way. Secondly, we cut the cost quite a bit um, because we knew that, I knew it was about survival.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of Inspire Pod with myself, Kiran Kang. We bring you the best interviews with leading business people and entrepreneurs within their field. Today's guest previously spent 16 years within finance, uh, specialising across banking, having worked with leading institutions such as Lloyd's TSB and Deutsche Bank. She's the founder and chief executive of E2E, a platform which connects founders and allows entrepreneurs to find advice, support and finance, along with championing innovation. She's the non-executive director of UK Export Finance and a member of the Mayor of London's Business Advisory Board and Centre for Entrepreneurs. Today's guest is none other then Shalini Kemka. Hi Shalini, how are you?
0: Hi Karim, I'm good, thank you very much. Thank you very much for having me.
1: No worries, uh, absolute pleasure to have you on board. I know one of our previous guests, Parish Davdra, um, founder of uh, Rational FX spoke incredibly highly of you. He mentioned it will be great to um, touch base. So it's so good to uh, have you on board.
0: Thank you very much. Well, the feeling is mutual. I'm a huge fan of his and the work that he's done. Uh, with Rational Effects and what he's doing now as well.
1: Yeah. Perfect. And I um, appreciate I gave uh, the audience a bit of a background there, um, you know, about the work which you're currently doing and, you, and you've previously done. Could, yeah. could you just give them a bit of a background to yourself and the journey prior to starting E2E? Certainly,
0: yes. Thank you very much, Karam. So um, uh, my career has expanded and extended between uh, entrepreneurship, um, private equity, and uh, trade finance. So originally I started my career quite a long time ago now now, (laughs) um, at Coopers and Live Brand as a trainee chartered accountant. Uh, And from there I moved to, um, onto the the, um, sort of accelerated graduate scheme of of, uh, NatWest Bank in international trade. The reason I made that shift is I'd done accountancy and I wanted to do something which involved working with businesses around the world And the closest I could get to that was international trade finance. So from international trade finance, uh, I moved to um, Bankers Trust, Trust, which became Deutsche Bank. It's when I was at Deutsche Bank, something um, clicked in my mind, which um, I realized watching people like Brent Hoberman and other companies at the time when it was the dot com um, sort of boom or bubble, as you'd say, around the 2000 mark. uh, And I thought, why is trade finance not done online? And I've been thinking about it for a long time. Um, So I was fortunate um, to um, start a business with three other guys, all of us who left Deutsche Bank. And it was the first business in the world to trade letters of credit, which is a trade finance instrument, letters of credit online. And we grew the business to around 35 people by 2004. But then we went through some difficulties, which is what the banks didn't like the auctions we were creating, Um, so we were ahead of our time, so we decided to sell the business and uh, the business was merged into a company called Bluecrest, which is a hedge fund. Uh, From there, uh, I was invited to run trade finance for Lloyds Banking Group um so it was the first time someone had invited me because people ask me why do you go from being an entrepreneur back into the corporate world and the thing is in the corporate world before i'd always put myself forward so this is the first time someone asked me to head up a division so i ran plain vanilla trade finance for lloyd's for five years i started to want to go back into entrepreneurship and um, from there i moved to a company called ldc lloyd's TSB development capital uh, and it's the private equity the arm of Lloyds Banking Group, and it's a, it's a very active mid-market private equity firm. When I was there, I saw business done in a different way to the way I had done business in my first company. So that's where the idea and the penny dropped in my mind to set up E2E, because when I look at the things that I should have done differently, I didn't have much of a network of entrepreneurs. Uh, I didn't go for external advice through mentors and non-exec directors. We didn't raise external funding. We all invested ourselves in our first company. Um, So when I met some serial entrepreneurs, I met, for example, Judy Narke who founded San I met Gareth Williams and Skyscanner. I met a gentleman called Jay Bregman from Halo, um, and he was the first investor in Halo. I realized that I should have done things differently. Hence, I started E2E. E2E is for entrepreneurs and it's by entrepreneurs, but to help them really build the ecosystem of support that they need. Um, in order to grow their businesses and, importantly, make the right decisions. So I was fortunate because when I pitched my idea to LDC, LDC said actually they would back um, the idea. They let me start this part-time as I was an investment director there. And um, uh, again, a little bit of luck played in here that I was um, working on the Virgin Racing transaction with LDC um, the CEO at the time, Daryl Eels, he invited me to go to Monaco uh, and we spent quite a lot of time with Richard Branson's team on his catamaran. And this is when I was able to ask Richard Branson to effectively um, spearhead the organisation as our president. And then it all started rolling. So that's my background.
1: Wow. That, that's really exciting. I lo- lo- love, um, you know, the background and journey of, you know, specialising in a business which you'd actually seen a need for. Um, first half whilst you were in the corporate environment and what, what skills and experience whilst you were in that corporate environment do you feel really helped you whilst founding your own business and later on through the years in E2E?
0: I think it's more about um, rather than my skills or my experience I think it's about attitude uh, I think what I've always um, I've learned about myself now which I didn't know earlier I've always been tenacious um, and I've always wanted to be somebody who hopefully isn't mediocre. Um, f- for me, um, being the best version of yourself, doing something to the best ability and not trying not to be average at it has become, well, became more and more important. So I think that was the driving force around all these things. Uh, and in terms of skills, um, I, I guess I've been fortunate good background education, good financial education, um, developed quite a lot of interpersonal skills, probably because of my family upbringing um, on the interpersonal side. Um, So I I would say it's more about my approach to life uh, that has helped steer the path and um, a lot about who has uh, influenced me. Um, So those sorts of things.
1: That's really interesting because so pretty much every entrepreneur we've had on this show has really credited more so the uh, attitude, personality and and their mindset over their actual skills. And they say exactly like you did, you know, want to be, you know, don't want to be average. Um, oh really okay, yeah. okay. <laughs> that for anyone listening and myself as well how do you measure that you know not being average um you know compared to other people in the same whether it's industry or same business
0: um again, I don't think we would uh, i would say i would compare myself uh it's a benchmark against myself uh because I think we're always doomed for negativity if uh we benchmark ourselves against others, but it's knowing that I am doing the best I can and I'm not going with the status quo. Um, Let me give you an example. So when I was at Lloyd's Banking Group, I put myself forward to run the Emerging Leaders Network and I was sent to Malawi for uh, a few weeks, there was a gentleman called Charit Tate who was um, essentially the head of wholesale banking. I pitched to him and the head of risk that um, I should go to Malawi and set up, um, be part of the bank which was called Opportunity International Microfinance. But it's no one, I wasn't comparing myself with anyone. It's just coming up with new ideas and trying to do new things, which then when I did that, I learned a new skill set how it's like to work in. In Malawi and work in Africa and what are the difficulties there and how to deal with people um, so yeah that kind of approach of um, um, measure sort of saying to myself do something more
1: yeah
0: and even when I look at my current business E2E um, there is nobody telling me I have to do it And I keep waking up every day and I keep thinking, why? (laughs) Why? (laughs) What is it? What's the driver? Why am I doing this? Um, But there's something in me that is um, saying, actually, if I do a really good job with this and my team will do well, they will, you know, feel happy and successful. And very importantly, we've got a lot of entrepreneurs that we support we will be making a massive difference. So even though this is the COVID time and it was an easy time for us to say, actually, this is a good time to walk away from it all because it's a tough business. Um, It's not a product, it's a service, it's an events led business. This would have been a good time to say, actually, it's been a long time. Is it the right thing to do? Should I go rest for, for a bit and, you know, take some time out for myself? But I don't know what it is, Karim. There is something there that doesn't allow me to stop. Can't define mm-hmm.
1: it. Do you, do you think that's something you're either born with or your environment or, you know, family influence? Or is it, is it just something you, you can't put your finger on at all?
0: I can't put my finger on it if I'm honest, but I don't think we're born this way. Uh, I think it's not about DNA. I think it's about influencing factors. There may be some little bit of it that's DNA, but uh, um, I think it develops through your experiences in life.
1: uh,
0: And what you face and what you go through and some of it may be to do with nature but i wasn't like this when i was little um when i was a child i don't think i was um so keen on making a difference
1: right and um, when when you mentioned you know obviously we're going through covid at the time and a lot of businesses were struggling with During drawing yeah. that initial setup from e to e what challenges know have you come come up against within your own business and how have you overseen them and and what's got you through on the other side
0: sure so lots of challenges so um, so for example with E2E we'd organized roughly 45 to 50 physical events a year in 11 different cities Uh, and they range from breakfast at the House of Lords for uh, 50 people with Lord Bill Morrow kindly chairing all of them to large-scale receptions for 150 people uh, with IWG, etc. So that brought us a lot of our income. Uh, and we also made income on helping companies with their fundraising, with finding non-exec directors. Uh, we made uh, income on helping to sell companies, buy companies, and, and transactions for our members. But we didn't take a membership fee from our members. So all the money that we make is either from corporates or from success fees on transactions so all of a sudden a lot of our event income march just went on hold um, and obviously couldn't host physical events then if we look at the angel funding side of things that became more tough so making success fees on finding our entrepreneurs venture capital money angel investment money much more difficult Um, entrepreneurs being able to afford nets became more difficult so that income has also reduced so all of a sudden we find that we're in a position of doing the best we've ever done but then it's all stopped Um, so the way I've managed this is uh, firstly um, I had to pivot the business to do online events so we did lots of webinars um, something called e2e live so we pivoted that way secondly we cut the cost quite a bit um because we knew that I knew it was about survival and I think I'm in a fortunate position that we're surrounded with the who's who of entrepreneurship Lord Bird did an, a, a webinar with us Lara Morgan did a webinar with us all the advice um Pontus Norin, who did cloud reach he sold it to Blackstone every single person said you've got to survive and right now it's about keeping your powder dry so that's a big change that we made uh with the team we made some changes in terms of some people left some people went part-time um everything that was physical all of a sudden became digital i'm one of these people that like to see people working in front of me i don't i've never been used to the home working so all my team were always in the office and i love that atmosphere of everyone being in the office so changing i had to change my mindset and say actually they're at home um and that was quite hard so but everyone's now well set up to be working at home, and we're actually more productive than we were historically in terms of project plans and getting things done. So there's been a lot of um, things that we've had to think through, uh, and the main thing summarise into: keep your costs low, um, pivot the business model uh, as quickly as possible, dependent on technology, make sure your staff are comfortable, they're set up uh, set up well, and importantly, try and stay positive so um those are the sort of big changes um that have had to be made and i've also spoken to all of our corporate partners nothing has been cancelled touch wood. everything has been deferred so as and when we can run our events again they will pick up in september october time uh they may be smaller they may be more socially distanced but we didn't lose our partners and uh you know i'm really thankful to our partners not to say look fine, we'll delay, but they haven't canceled contracts. Um, So that's been good as well. So I think it's also given me a time to catch up with some of our members who are not necessarily always seeing by doing these sorts of things. So a lot of change. Um, The other thing that's taken up my um, time uh, is I've been doing quite a lot of work with the government. So um, a, a gentleman called Maurice Ostro, who's the Prime Minister's Special Advisor for Entrepreneurship, He set up something called the Business Action Council. Now, the Business Action Council consists, I think, of 23 different membership organisations from the CBI, Federation of Small Businesses, the IOD, um, Entrepreneurs' Organisation, and E2E. On that, there's eight subcommittees, and I'm chairing one called the Employee Retention Subcommittee. So um, my subcommittee, we uh, submitted our first policy paper in April, and that was to ask the government to look at Flexi-furlough. So Flexi-furlough has been introduced in July. Then with myself, um, Lord Stanley Fink, Lord Bill Moria, uh, Lord Rami Ranger, I'm just trying to think, and Daryl Eales, and a, a lady called Natasha from Sterling Me- Media. Uh, we wrote to the Chancellor to ask him to introduce um, loans which are 100% guaranteed by government. So a lot of work went into that. So the bounce back loan was introduced about a month ago now.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so I've got a very, very, very heavily involved because I guess we have so many members, they talk to us about their challenges to recommend policy tweaks and changes to government. Uh, and the Business Action Council is one route to that. Plus we've been writing to the Chancellor's Office ourselves as E2E with Lord Lee, Lord Stanley Fink and so on.
1: That's incredibly exciting and great to see how busy uh, you know we, we've all still been. And it goes back to what you mentioned that you, know, you just can't take time off. And um, with, with the changes that you spoke about pivoting during uh, COVID and moving yeah. things online and teams being remote, um, yeah. I'm exactly like you. I, I love face-to-face meetings. I love being yeah. around people. I, I think you get that energy and creativity. But then I also see the benefits of not having to commute and people can be productive. Uh, do you have an idea of what you think the future will look like if, um, you know, businesses will stay remote or if we can go back to the old uh, norm?
0: I think it's going to take a bit of time, Karen. but I'm hoping that um, what will happen is we will have a hybrid model uh, come September, October time that people will be working part time from home, part time from the office. I know for a lot of the large corporates um, that uh, I've been talking to, they have asked their staff to work from home a lot more and some of their staff will come in so i do see that change sticking for a while um uh, but i'm not, not sure whether it's permanent it may be that it's a permanent change uh but we're human beings we like to be around people yeah. so um uh, maybe it will take a year maybe it'll take two years and we might back be back into an environment where people are more together in an. Uh, office environment but I don't see that changing quickly and it may never change at all we may end up with a hybrid model
1: yeah that, that, yeah. that probably makes more sense um, and then you know companies are obviously going to save costs on on rental and like we said com- commute times it, hopefully it's a healthy, yeah. healthier, uh, for everybody as well and, and what, for
0: the environment
1: yeah, yeah. oh yeah, yeah. wow um, you know we, we've seen it like in India and China what it's done for carbon emissions uh, alone, it's been pretty incredible that you know, we, we did take these steps before. Mm-hmm.
0: And yeah, absolutely. And even for the UK, you can, you, you know, it's, we've got a cleaner London. I'm in London. We have a greener, cleaner London. So the mayor's agenda with one of his big things is a greener London. And I think it has um, contributed to a greener London, uh, irrespective of, of the downside of it all.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, any of my clients watching this will uh, love that, you know, the net zero um, targets by 2030 and 2050. Um, You know, hopefully things like this, you know, bad things can give you opportunity and hopefully cleaner uh, world is one of them. And at, at, um, you know, beginning of the show, when you're given a background, you mentioned one thing, which was, um, you know, when you set up E2E, uh, you know, knowing more during the corporate world helped you with that. Um, so could you elaborate on that, on, you know, the things which you know now that could help you if you were to set up a, you know, a new organization or that you could tell somebody who's in their own company that could help them? Sure.
0: I think the first thing is uh, it's very important to do the research uh, and to really work out your business model, because once you get started and you've not thought it through enough, it's very hard to stop and go back. So let me give you an example in my own situation. So with E2E, I started it as a way of doing good uh, to help entrepreneurs, not necessarily thinking this is going to be my next big business, that wasn't the plan. The plan was I saw things I could have done differently and I wanted to help other people convert that knowledge into wisdom as quickly as possible, Uh, but if I had spent more time on the business model, I probably would have invested much more in technology nine years ago. And created a digital business in 2011, rather than 2020. And um, you know, my turnover might have been significantly more. It could have been different. Having said that, hindsight's 2020 vision. So, first piece of advice there is not to start a business until you've done the research and you've really worked out what makes your business a little bit unique. What makes it different. Maybe you're doing the same thing but it would be the execution of it. Um, people have connected people all over the world forever, um, you know, but it's it's how you do it. So that's one thing. Secondly, I think um, uh, I was fortunate and I would always recommend this to other people is having one or two of the right non-execs or advisors, they don't actually have to sit on your board, they can be presidents or fellows or whatever you might like to call them, but having a couple of people who've been there, done it before, advising you and being a door opener is quite critical to um, the success of a business, especially if you're young um, and starting up. I think today really investing in, in um, um, your operational processes. So... Uh, looking at who you need, how they work, what systems you'd use, what's CRM, data management. Data, data, data. It's absolutely crucial. And um, again, I don't think we were very good at it. And I am trying to get much better at it right now. So um, I used to store all the spreadsheets of, we would do maybe 20 events in 2011, and we're doing 50 now, but I would sh- store everything on spreadsheets. I didn't have a CRM system. Um, Whereas if I'd had a CRM system, I would have been much more organized and I saved a lot of time. Uh, This kind of thing, looking at your payroll processes, things to make you much more operationally efficient, not to underplay them, uh, those are critical. And then um, I think the thing which uh, COVID has also taught me is to keep money in the bank. Um, Ideally, make sure you have six months payroll if you can, 12 months payroll banked not living month by month because then you know you're going to go through a lot of stress in times of difficulty so thinking about the cash management of the business uh, critical difficult when you're starting a business where does that cash come from Um, so other thing is around all of this is to try maybe a pilot version of the business uh, before you go in and put everything in don't give up your day job and start a business without perhaps trialing it on the side to see can you actually do something like this. And then, if you can, then you can walk away from your day job. But it's always a good thing to just try something in a, in a measured way yeah. before going all out and, and doing something, unless you're not working.
1: Yeah. That, that's that's great advice. Um, Funny enough, so, something you just mentioned there. I was um, listening to you about this morning, so I was just watching an old interview of uh, Bill Gates and he was saying how he always uh, tried to make sure that he had at least 12 months payroll um, in, in the banks he, he wouldn't you know sit comfortably unless he could pay everybody for at least twelve months and that's what kept him on edge and uh, kept him busy sometimes and um, also what, what you mentioned about advisors and, and the team around you and, and support network uh, yeah. Of an interview you actually did uh, a while ago where you spoke about the importance of mentorship and um, how that's something that E2E offers as well. Could you um, elaborate on that, please?
0: Yes, I think it's very, very important to be surrounded by the right people because we are who we're surrounded by in many ways. Those are the influencing factors. And um, uh, someone that you can be very open with is quite important. Because you you want to be able to chat through everything going on in your mind. And it's the talk process often that defines how you're going to do things. Uh, We can write away as much as we want, but it's actually when we talk it out loud like this, um, it helps. So um, having a mentor, I think, makes, and you don't have to define it as mentor, but friends who really understand business, and that's why I'm saying mentor is quite cute. People who've been through it before not necessarily in your own sector, but have run a business, sold a business, gone through difficulties, maybe not been successful, maybe failed, it doesn't matter, but have done those sorts of things. Uh, And who you have that trust and chemistry with is quite important. So we, we place non-exec directors and mentors onto the boards of businesses. And we've been doing that by a matchmaking through emails and, um, face-to-face meetings. Now in the technology that we're launching, we're introducing E2E advice as a SaaS service. So people can book people by the hour. Some of it will be free and some of it will, uh, will be chargeable. So it depends on the entrepreneur who's giving the advice. Um, uh, we've been fortunate that there's a lot of people in the E2E network is willing to help our members. Um, but I think it's important to join some kind of network, whether it's us or somebody else, it doesn't really matter. But to be a part of a network where you can access the right people and really listen um, uh, is, is, is quite important, uh, I'd say.
1: That's, yeah. that's, that's great advice. And um, looking at E2E and where it is today, how has it developed yeah. from what you initially set out to achieve?
0: Okay, so initially when I set it up, uh, I wasn't planning to do this full time, I was planning to do it as a fun thing on the side. So it's, it's become a proper business. Um, number one, uh, we've got staffing. We've raised investment. Uh, we've got some brilliant investors in E2E. They include people like Peter Roberts, who founded Pure Gym. They include Judy Narke, Daryl Eales, who head up, headed up LDC. Uh, they include like 12 of the who's who of UK entrepreneurship. So if you'd asked me a long time ago that would we raise external investment, And would we have a company um, that is growing in valuation this way? Uh, I I wouldn't have have thought of it that way. I thought of it more as a not-for-profit, just for doing good, not as a commercial enterprise. So we have E2E Exchange as our not-for-profit and we have E2E Enterprise as our commercial business, which now has a very decent valuation because we just closed the fundraising round. Um, Thank you. Yeah, so that I think is uh, the key thing and I, I mean I would I think if I'd stayed in a corporate career I wouldn't be fortunate enough to have got to meet so many entrepreneurs who've also motivated me um, and they've become part of my social network as well as my um, business network so some of my closest friends now are people who I've met through E2E so my currency of our success is actually adding value to their lives in many ways.
1: That, that's great and um obviously uh, having you know during the int- uh, introduction we spoke about so many things you're doing outside of e2e uh, which you just touched upon there um
0: yeah.
1: h- how do you manage that you know working on your own core business and then do work for you know like the government and um, you know the mayor of london you know how do you manage it and where do these opportunities come from
0: so there is a cost to all of this uh, and the cost is there's not a lot of personal life Um, So (laughs) I don't want to give people the wrong impression. The things I've taken on, I've taken on with a view to supporting entrepreneurs and I love doing that. And also if me and E2E can have an influence in London policy or government policy to help the wider community, that motivates me. Um, So I do it by working solidly, Uh, early starts, very late finishes. I also try and keep my meetings short, um, so 20 minute meetings, maximum 30 minute meetings usually, on the rare exception, there will be an hour, one hour meeting that goes in my diary. Um, so that's partly how I manage it and I'm, I've got a good team, um, they're a strong team, they're very capable, so that helps as well.
1: Great. And, and your
0: question, no, no, it
1: is. and um, it's a great <laughs> point that you uh, mentioned because you know you touched upon the sacrifice with time yeah. and lifestyle and, and those sacrifices it's not something that everybody sees uh, entrepreneurship you know maybe through social media is quite glorified now. People think it's just going to buy them a new Lamborghini or a you know a mansion over overnight. Uh, could you talk about the real sacrifices? Uh, you know, which, which have gone behind, you know, setting up your business and that other entrepreneurial space.
0: Yeah, sure. Uh, one of them has been lack of time to spend with my friends, like you know, my university friends and the, my girlfriends. Um, not many holidays at all. But uh, I don't even spend a lot of time, if I'm honest, with my family. Um, other than my immediate brother who lives with me didn't get married, not had children, um, so it, it, it was never planned like this, and I, you know, I don't live with regrets, I always look to the future, I'm a glass half full rather than a glass half empty, but if, I'm, if I am honest, um, I prioritise my work rather than other things, and uh, that may not be in the long run the best thing to do, I don't know.
1: Yeah. No, it's a, yeah. uh, it is important. Like I know when, again, but I sell my own business, you, you're up at five and, you know, asleep at 5am five, 5 the next day, it's just 24, seven. Yeah. But then, you know, if, if you love it in the goals there, then, uh, you know, yeah. that's... the
0: other aspect is uh, I think when I was in corporate environment, I could easily buy a Gucci handbag or go and buy a Chanel suit or something. Yeah. <laughs> None of that. <laughs> so, you know, the financial side of life as a founder, It's very different, unless you do do well and exit. So there has been that sacrifice, um, which uh, you know you you, you feel it, um, but you still keep motivated to say actually you can get there.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. Definitely. And um, you've obviously you know created an incredible network, and uh, you know the way you built up your own, own business. Can you give the audience some you know tips and advice on connecting with people, building your network? building teams, etc.
0: Yes, certainly. Um, so I think, again, it comes down to a little bit around organization. I think the easier thing to do is going to meet people, and maybe not so much now, but it's easy to go to an event. The difficult part thereafter is staying connected. Um, so I always encourage our members, it's the follow-up rather than what happens on the particular, whether it's a Zoom call or whether it's a face-to-face meeting, uh, it's the follow up uh, and then making sure you use your um, either your CRM system to track, make notes, because no, nobody's memory is going to be that brilliant that you can remember every conversation. Um, so being able to reference back to say, hey, I remember you said to me you're going to get married. We'll go in our CRM yeah. uh, so that if I haven't spoken to you for six months, I can ask you how was your wedding or when is it going or that kind of thing so I tend to try and keep notes of conversations which I think helps and uh, a little bit of research before going to meet somebody whether virtually or physically I think always helps um, and something someone taught me when I was at L- an LDC is try and make sure you're always remembered um, do something that's leaves an impression say something that leaves an impression or or make a contribution that leaves an impression in whatever way so i think that helps to build your network Right.
1: Yeah. And um, that obviously networking is one great skill which you've um, you know uh, used quite well what, what would you say your best skill is um, that's helped you during you know your corporate and current career and how have you developed that? Um,
0: that's a really good question uh i think it would it would be that i enjoy building relationships with people getting to understand what drives people and trying to find a solution to support them um so i'm always connecting people um so i think that's my big forte is to say actually you should meet so and so because this might happen uh and i've done a lot of that actually since i was little um so i think that's my natural skill of joining the dots mm-hmm. and uh um maybe to some extent uh wanting to do something that leaves a legacy it's not a skill but a motivation um as well
1: and um again uh, you know maybe it's not something you can measure but what what does that mean to you you know leaving a legacy you know is it something that you know how it can be measured or you've got a picture of it or is is it you know feeling inside you that you know you you can feel content now
0: I think it's feeling inside you that you can feel content now but uh, it's also knowing that you're doing things where you can see people gaining from a result of that Um, so for example if um your fundraising and we managed to raise you five million pounds um whether that company is successful or not doesn't matter but for the five years or however long that money would last you it's helped to you grow your business and helped you retain your team
1: i might look at that absolutely and um, of course within e2e there, there's so many you know great entrepreneurs who you've listed that you work with and also yeah. you know externally of this um, you know, Bill billibore and Rami Ranger, who we had on here as well.
0: Oh, did you? He's yeah. great, yeah.
1: Yes, yeah, such, such a... great entrepreneurs. So
0: brilliant, yeah.
1: What, what's the common denominators that you see in all of these people who've, you know, created, you know, whether it's success, happiness, wealth, or, or business?
0: Sure. One, I think, is they're very hardworking. Um, Rami came to the UK with nothing, and his work, his socks off to build sun art group other thing is hunger um they're hungry to do something which means they they contribute contribute to the uk contribute uh globally and i've seen a lot of them charisma um it might be extroverted charisma or introverted charisma but there's a charisma there um which i really enjoy um watching so uh I think those are the sort of three core things, um, hard work, uh, charisma, and this hunger to do well. And they tend to be quite authentic,
1: yeah. Um, yeah. Absolutely, yeah, hunger is something we see with, you know, uh, everybody again who, you know, even myself with the companies we recruit for, you know, when you're building a team for an MD who, who's got that hunger and drive and genuine passion, you know, it's going to be a team that's going to be sustainable and hit their targets. And, um, you know, with, with that, uh, it's quite, it's, it's quite hard to see them moving forward. And, and
0: uh, cope with stress, sorry to interrupt you there, but I've also found that they can cope with stress. Most of these entrepreneurs have gone through lots of stress,
1: right.
0: um, but they don't let it show very much until you sit down and you have a private conversation. And then you realize the level of difficulties, whether it's financial stuff, or whether it's, operational or legal um but they can cope with it how
1: how do you cope with stress um have have you got any tips
0: (laughs) i don't know (laughs) um i i keep telling myself don't get stressed just everything will be okay um and i've got good family who tell me the same um one of the things that you were going to ask me about role models and uh um i think um my mom my, my dad they're both they're very good role models because they've gone through so much and they've managed to stay positive uh as a result of it was surrounded by great entrepreneurs who are some of my role models so i think it's a combination of my mental attitude and saying to myself everything will be all right um finding alternative ways of doing things and having a, a, a nice support network Um, yeah, there's no real smart answer to this one, I'm afraid, from my perspective.
1: Yeah, and um, that belief you have that that's something, you know, that things will work out, that things will go right, um, you know, again, is that something that you've developed over time, or you've worked on, or it just came naturally to you?
0: No, I think I've developed it over time. Uh, I've, I've learned it by talking to myself (laughs) in some little talk in my head telling me this over time I don't think it was natural I don't know what the other entrepreneurs say but um that's for me
1: yeah it's it's very similar they say that you know it's um just a a concrete belief within themselves whether it comes from their religion or it comes from them you know having a goal that um you know they believe that they they can hit or you know just seeing something that nobody else can see And um, having a belief that you know something that they can create, and yeah, it's exactly exactly that.
0: Yeah, I think if we stop believing, what's this? Don't don't do it. Um, You've got to have the conviction that what you're doing um, can result in what you want it to result in. Otherwise, where's the fun in the journey?
1: Yeah. Uh, Yeah and um of course you know still still within the journey on uh e2e do you wh- where do you see the business uh being you know th- this t- this time in in 10 years time
0: it's a really good question what i would love is for e2e to be recognized a bit like when you think about telephone you think mobile phone you think apple when you're an entrepreneur and you have a issue i want to connect to someone you need some support in any way or form um I'm hoping that the word E2E is is, um, on people's um, fingertips and tongue. I'm hoping that we add so much value that through word of mouth, people will say, gosh, you need to go to E2E and um, you'll be able to get the support infrastructure that you need there. That's where I'd like it to be as a household name for founders globally.
1: Brilliant. That, that, that's great. And um, is there anything else that you want to mention about E2E or, you know, anything that our audience is listening that, um, you know, as well as the support network, if they're setting up their own business or on their journey that, you know, your, your team can help them with?
0: Uh, the only other thing I'd say, Karim, is um, discipline is really, really important. Um, so putting a project, it doesn't have to be written, but knowing where you need to get to by, by certain time frames and trying to work to those time frames because time passes so fast. And as you get older, unfortunately, it passes quicker. And um, so I think that whole um, mental approach and discipline around our time management um, is quite critical uh, in terms of our personalities. Fantastic. Be ambitious, go for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love that.
1: Yeah. It, um... Uh, as we, you know, you probably see with a lot of these podcasts, the last round is just a final five and we tend to try and, you know, tailor it, uh, around our guests to understand them better. Um, so we'll, we'll just go into that. It's typically one word through to a sentence. Okay. Cool. But first question is what is the one thing which excites you most about E2E?
0: Making a difference.
1: Yeah. Would you advise people to work for money? or follow their passion?
0: Always follow the passion, be commercial though.
1: Yeah. Uh, Who has been the one most uh, influential person within your career?
0: Yeah, I'd say both my parents because my father's a doctor, he's a surgeon. My mum was in education. They've been very influential, but also um, there's 12 members of my advisory board. They're all my mentors. um, And um, they make me think about things, which is amazing.
1: Yeah. Fantastic. And um, you obviously work with a lot of exciting, innovative startups. What is the one, you know, whether it's um, market or innovation about the future that excites you the most?
0: It's health tech. Health tech. Um, health tech. I love everything to do with health research, new advancements in health, whether it's treatment of cancer, whether it's the treatment of COVID, it's technology firms who can change the way we live in terms of our health
1: right. and uh, what is the one bit of advice you would tell yourself uh you, no, sorry what is the one bit of advice you would tell your 20 year old self
0: so i've enjoyed myself more when i was in my 20s because <laughs> yeah. i don't get time now
1: <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> yeah so if you're in your 20s obviously be ambitious but go enjoy yeah yeah
1: fantastic look absolutely brilliant having you one again um really loved your background advice Uh, and the fantastic work you're doing um within e2e for anybody who wants to follow you know whether it's your work or any social pages uh, where can we go to
0: um so our website is e the number two e and then x exchange x c h a n g e dot com and the linkedin is e2e exchange um um, the social media is e2e exchange or e2e exchange
1: Um, pretty much, yeah, yeah. That's great, and anybody watching this, remember to like, share, subscribe, follow us on Instagram uh, at inspire.pod or other social forms as LinkedIn, inspirepod, and we look forward to having you on the next episode. Bye.
0: Thank you very much, Cara. Really nice to be on. Thank you.